0: <laughs> Mama.
1: Welcome to Parent Talk Podcast, the podcast for busy parents, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks to make parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Becca U. Lewis. Hi everyone, and welcome to Season 5 of Parent Talk, everything parenting and More. I'm your host, Genevieve Kahl, mom of two, and I'm of course with my co-host, Becca Yu. Hi, Becca.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Becca and the co-host of Parent Talk and also of Mom of Two. We're excited for another opportunity to learn and grow with our children today. Let's welcome another wonderful guest to help us do that.
1: Yes. So today we're talking about coordination challenges in kids with Carly Daggis. So, Carly is a pediatric physiotherapist. She has worked at BC Children's Hospital and now at Playwork Physio Clinic based in Port Moody. So, hi, Carly, and welcome to Parent Talk Podcast.
2: Hi, thank you ladies. I am super excited to be here. I've heard a lot about Parent Talk podcast from a ton of our families that come to the clinic and of course from my amazing colleagues and following you. Um, So I'm super excited uh, to be joining you guys today as a speaker.
1: Awesome. Well, we have interviewed Kate in the past that work at Playwork Physio. So we're going to say hi, Kate.
2: (laughs) Yes, hello. She's with a client right now, but awesome.
1: (laughs) All right. If we dive in into today's topic, Carly, so how would we know a child might have coordination challenges?
2: So some kids have uh, trouble with small movements, such as writing with a pencil or brushing their teeth or tying their shoes, or even simply eating and feeding themselves. Um, And then other children can have Uh, difficulties with larger movements so biking or climbing or kicking a ball and in other instances it might not be with the actual movement but planning the execution of those movements um so thinking about you know if you have two or three tasks to do how do i get them done and what order is best and how do i coordinate that so sometimes it can stretch far beyond just the physical movement component often kids will say Uh, that they, they might not seem interested in a movement, or you might have a parent say, oh, my kid's just lazy, they don't wanna do that. There is no such thing as a lazy kid in our physio realm of thinking. There is often something blocking a kid from doing that, whether they can't move their body in the right way or figure out how to do that, then they might seem uninterested or seem lazy. So one of the big things is often trying to figure out why this is happening. Um, And in general, humans are curious, so they want to explore, they want to move. Another big idea as to why kids might have coordination challenges is kids that are silly. Sometimes, like for an example, I don't know if you've ever been around kids like this, but if you try to ask kids to do a skill, like, okay, let's everybody balance on one leg and you see a kid like, oh, and then fall down and be like, haha, that's so silly oftentimes this kid might actually not be able to balance on one leg. So they pretend to be silly or they pretend to I'm going to do something. I'm going to pick up the ball and throw it instead because it's hard for me. And I don't want to show that it's hard. Right? So those are some sorts of kind of ideas and ways that certain kids, you know, you might start to like, Oh, like every time I ask my kid to stand on one leg, they might actually like, they're just being silly or like I want to do something else or are behaviorally like challenging. So some things to kind of look at in terms of how you might know your child would have coordination challenges. One last one to kind of highlight are kids that trip frequently, or seem clumsy, that tends to be a big one. Um, You know, if they're always tripping on this, where the grass goes to the sidewalk, or on a mat, or they just can't pick up their feet and coordinate that those movements, that might be an indication, it could be a few other things. But it might be an indication that they are just not coordinating their bodies well enough to move.
0: That's really interesting. Now, all these things, you know, like I see kids like this all the time, you know, my <laughs> yes. my own children, uh, the work that I do, see kids be silly and do this all the time. But for coordination
2: challenges, is this something that kids will grow out of? So that's a really great question. Um, and there's a few points to it. So the risk in waiting to see if they do grow out of it is potentially maybe they might develop a a dislike for group activities or sports. So they might shy away from it altogether. You know, if something's hard for them, they might just be like, I don't, I don't like soccer. I don't like gymnastics. I, I just want to stay in my room. Right. So potentially if we wait that much longer, maybe the more they're kind of put in those environments, they might shy away from those. Um, and then, you know, they never play sports and then they get further behind and then they turn into adults that might not like moving. Um, so a big thing is working with these kiddos, um, and breaking down the basics like breaking down a movement into its basic components so then you can teach them those individual components and then put it all together and you're like taking that complex movement and breaking it down so And a great example of this is throwing. So, you know, if if you know how to throw, it's simple to think about and you're like, you just catch the ball and you throw it. Um, But for a kid that has coordination challenges, it's a very complex task. And to break it down from a physio perspective, you need to have your vision working, you need to have your correct arm placement, you need to have the correct ball placement, you need to have rotation, you need to have communication with somebody else You know to to throw the ball to you need to have a weight shift so if you have a challenge with one of those parts it then makes it very difficult to complete the task as a whole and a lot of kids that don't have you know coordination challenges will get that easily they'll you know watch me if i throw a ball to them they'll see my rotation they'll see when i throw and release the ball um but then a kid that does have coordination challenges won't be able to understand how I'm moving my body and them do it in the same way. And a big thing with kids with coordination challenges is that they can learn all of these tasks. It's not like a write-off and they'll never learn it. They can learn it. They just need more practice. So often in a big school environment where there's, you know, 25 other kids running around, if a teacher says, okay, throw the ball, most kids can, and they can't. And if they don't get the specific help, they won't ever learn the skill. Whereas if if they have someone to break it down for them or work through those little steps, then they'll catch on no problem. They'll get it no problem. And then they'll enjoy participating with their friends. Um, So that's kind of a big thing is, is that you don't want to risk waiting to see if they'll grow out of it because then that gap just gets bigger of not being able to keep up. And then the skills advance. The other thing too, is I believe personally that if these kids don't, kind of, they don't ever grow out of it, but they learn. Kids are smart. And I'm sure, you know, both of you have kids and you're aware of how smart kids can be. They are great at adapting. They don't want to show, oh, they can't do it. So they'll, they'll figure out another way to get by without having to do it. So I'm not necessarily sure. Like, yeah, I, we have parents all the time who say, oh yeah, I had coordination troubles as a kid, but like, now it's okay and maybe you've just adapted so well that you don't put yourselves in those situations where your coordination is challenged you know how to avoid those things right so it potentially might be that they didn't grow out of it, but they just develop, they develop really good skills for adapting or making it easier for them to participate. And I think when you're a kid, you, those environments are challenging because you don't want to show other people that you can't do it, or you don't want to be highlighted in a group setting. But when we're an adult, we're better able to reason, you know, and have that. So it's less of a challenging, of a challenging situation, but yeah, that's kind of the grow out of it. They, you don't want to risk, letting it go on for longer but also i don't know if they really do grow out of it they just get better at adapting mm.
1: is there any like ages or milestones that we should look into you know sometimes at certain age they have to do certain things
2: yeah so it's very interesting because if if we get like an 8 year old in and they're like man they like can't catch a ball or they're struggling in school to keep up we'll often go back and through the history and the assessment we'll start to see oh, wow, they didn't actually crawl. And crawling is a huge, like when you break that down, that complex movement, you start to think, okay, you need to be able to get up on all fours. You need to be able to alternate left hand, right hand, left leg, right leg, and have that. So if you never practiced that as a kid, maybe the practice wasn't there. So they never got that development of coordination, or maybe they had that underlying coordination difficulty that they couldn't figure out that crawling movement and they didn't have the right support to actually learn it. Right. So we often find that in every, every milestone, if you want to call that, um, there are, you do see those kids with true coordination difficulties. It stems from very early on.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember hearing about um, bum scooting when the kids yes. uh, start moving by scooting on their bum and yes. usually means uh, a, like a lot of uh, developmental um, things that need to be looked into
2: Correct. And it could be as simple as a kid just never learned the rotation, like they might be completely fine coordination wise, but they never learned to rotate and get out of sitting. And so they're like, well, I'm cognitively like, I want this ball. I want to play with my parent. I want to play with my siblings oh, I can scoot. And then they learn it. And this is the only way they ever realized they can move and they just weren't shown or they weren't able to get the right way. So it could be that it could be weakness. It could be tightness in certain muscles, but at the same time, it might be a coordination thing where they, they just can't coordinate their body tipping, reaching weight shift that when you break down these larger movements, that seem so simple to our eyes, but they are a lot more complex when you break them down. So there's, it's always good to to have it looked at and figure out, like why is that?
1: I know as a mom, we often compare like our child with other children, <laughs> even if you we're not supposed to, but we all do. Let's 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 say it the way it is, right? Sure. So yeah. So now we see our children or our child's not doing certain things that are certain certain moments when all the other child are starting walking or moving or turning. So I guess at one point we should go and look for an assessment. So what would an assessment would look like?
2: Yeah. So I think the biggest thing to touch on in the realm of pediatric physio is that for adults, we think a physio is like, okay, I twisted my ankle. It's swollen. I need to go get it fixed. Right. Um, or I have an injury, in my knee or my back is bugging me. I go get it fixed with pediatric physio. We're specialists in helping to promote movement and encourage better movement. So you don't need to have an injury to go and see a pediatric physio. You could just be like, Hey, my kid isn't crawling well or rolling well, or they're just, they don't enjoy gym class. Why does my kid hate gym class? Right? So that's the first thing is that you don't need that injury. You can just go to have an assessment to. Try to figure out how we can move better. And then typically when you go to see a pediatric physio, what they will do is it's similar to an adult clinic where they'll go through a full history. They'll go through past, you know, if there's been any injuries or if there's any things that are challenging or specific goals that you have and a big thing as part of an assessment is they'll watch the kid move and they'll watch the child how do they interact with their environment you know if i roll a ball here do they bum scoot do they get up and run do they look at it and say Oh, that's too far. And then turn and go and, and look at the toy that's closer. So we'll watch how that happens. And the fun thing about our job is that we get to play all day. And the parents are like, wow, this is, this looks like such a fun job. You're just playing. And we are right. We want to interact with kids and make them feel comfortable. So a big thing is in your assessment is you play. And then basically we look to see as they're moving, like we look at their muscle strength, their tone, how they're neurologically wired and how they're using their brain to navigate their environment. And then after we get a good picture of how everything is kind of linked together, then we can start to recommend or say like, Hey, everything looks great. He's on track, like no worried to be concerned, or we can say, look, like we're seeing these things that might point towards, you know, some tightness in hip muscles, or actually wow, they're having a hard time coordinating these, not just this movement that you came in with concerns, but all of these movements across the board, which you might not have realized. Um, So that's typically what happens in an assessment. And then from there, often your pediatric physio will recommend like, just wait and see, like if it's a kid that doesn't have many needs, you can say, go try these things at home, touch base. If you see these red flags come back, but if not, you don't need any physio or they can say, you know, like, let's work on it for a block or a couple weeks or sessions, and then, you know, you'll have the strength. You can do it in the community and on your own. Um, so it very much depends on kind of what happens as a result of that. So, yeah. That,
0: that's really interesting. Now, now I hear from parents all the time, because I work with kids too. Yes. It's like, oh, well, they don't need to crawl. Like, they just want to get their kids walking, right? So, oh, like what what do you say to families like that cuz I've heard you now say like crawling is super important but yeah. you know the number of times I've <laughs> seen grandparents or parents like holding on to their kids hands as they're like teetering like what would you say uh, to families that uh is doing that
2: so this is this is a huge topic and we were just doing a presentation to a bunch of families this morning for our village Fridays um but basically in the States, we've heard recently that they're getting rid of crawling as a typical milestone and you can be a typical kid without crawling. So yeah, you can, there's probably a ton of kids in our school systems that never crawled and went or walked at nine months because they were gonna be you know, little athletes. But this is then when you break that down, this is then when you start to see intowing or tiptoe walking or kids that can't do the monkey bars. And yes, they're typical. Yes, they can interact with their friends. Yes, they can, you know, um, go and, and read books and, and play outside and do those things. But they might struggle with certain skills or move then atypically in a different way. So milestones in general are all meant to build one on top of the other on top of the other. So rolling works on rotation and getting those rotational skills. If you skip rolling, maybe that's where, when you're in sitting, you don't rotate because you don't know how to get out of sitting, to go crawl and move. Right. So it's stuff like that. And then with, with crawling, you know, if you build on your, your hands and knees, you're working on coordination, you're working on your hip and core stability, your shoulder stability, you know, if you don't. If you skip that component of it, then maybe when you're working as a, um, uh, an electrician, when you're older and you're doing tons of shoulder stuff, my shoulders are always tired and I always have, you know, shoulder pain. Why is that? Oh, I never developed my shoulder strength crawling because I started running at nine months old, right? So if I was selfish and I could tell every baby in the world um, what to do, I would, I would love all babies to crawl for for a, a very long time. And I think one of the big points that um, I always then say to parents is the reality of the situation is babies aren't going to crawl for two years. But what we can do is when kids are older, two years old, three years old, However old, even as adults, we can still crawl in our lives, you know, crawl around at the park or get a tunnel and crawl through or play on your hands and knees with your siblings, with your kids, create tunnels, like that sort of thing to still get that development. So yes, it is, that's a big, a big point for sure. And super important just cause it builds on so many later skills later.
0: Really? Yeah. That's really important then. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, if kids do have coordination difficulties, does it affect
2: anything else? There can be things beyond what you might think about on the surface that can, can be very challenging for kids with coordination. One of the big areas that we're starting to see now is difficulty coordinating your pelvic floor muscles. And this in general, between like, you know, mums the big boom is coming out now for pelvic health physio and how important that is. And it's also booming at the same time for kids and knowing that you can work on those things, but maybe, you know, a kid that has trouble with toileting, it might be, they also can't catch a ball or, you know, coordinate those movements. Maybe they can't coordinate their muscles when they need to hold their P muscles in. Maybe they're not able to get that activation in their muscles to to help with that. So it it might extend beyond that as well. Um another big one that we often um have to help coach parents about is for kids that are having attention difficulties in school and the teachers like, "Man, your kid never pays attention. It's really it's a big struggle in our classroom." That might be because they can't coordinate certain things like writing and if you can't write and keep up with your friends, then how are you going to, you know, keep up with the class and learn? So I'm going to you know, do something on the side where I'm not paying attention. And, you know, so it's stuff like that, that starts to happen, um, paying attention. Um, a teacher also might report that a child is struggling with like dual tasking. So like listening at the same time as writing or, you know, carrying something at the same time as moving those sorts of things might be, um, signs that, you know, beyond just like an actual movement, thing why kids might be struggling um and again we go back to the the whole thing with babies you know babies that didn't roll or crawl this is where you might hear my baby's lazy and we get that all the time like here, I'm coming in for an assessment. Like my baby doesn't want to move. They're just lazy. And we always say like, there's no such thing as a lazy baby. Babies are curious. They're just stuck. Something is stuck. So let's, let's figure out why. So those are some of the other things, um, pelvic floor, attention difficulties, um, laziness. Those are things that might kind of appear to look for. Um, if you're concerned, maybe there is a coordination difficulty. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, when I'm seeing if, if if we hear any of
1: the all the any of the example here that you gave, right? So, um, would a coordination diagnosis change anything?
2: Great question. So some kids, especially if it's more of like a mild thing, some kids might just need a little bit more time to practice and develop those motor skills on their own. But if there's a bigger need or a bigger lag kind of behind their peers, there might be an underlying reason. And a common cause of motor difficulties is a condition called developmental coordination disorder or DCD. Um, you might've also heard it Uh, Be called dyspraxia. So, DCD is not a learning disability, but it can make it harder for kids to do schoolwork and participate in gym class. Now, a pediatric physiotherapist can test for DCD, and they use um, basically a test called the movement ABC, and it tests three different domains of movement. So, there's fine motor, there's gross motor, like throwing and catching, and then there's also balance. So, it helps to help determine if there is a severe coordination challenge within all three realms or is it, you know, in one specific area that's then affecting the others so it helps big time with like knowing how to treat like okay maybe you can't catch and throw but maybe it's not actually the coordination with your arm muscles maybe it's just the closing of your fingers around the ball and the release of your fingers maybe it's just fine motor so then we work on that as a whole rather than you know, the catching and throwing. Um, so the physio can complete that test and let you know what areas it is, but then you do need to see a doctor to get a formal diagnosis. If that form, if you do have a formal diagnosis in BC yet, there is no support or funding for families financially for that type of diagnosis. However, what will happen is, you know, if we have more kids that are flagged, like, wow, there's been a push for families, you know, that have movement difficulties and all of these kids now are coming up with this DCD diagnosis, maybe years down the road, there might be a funding system in place for the BC in BC for those kids. Um, But also at the same time, a huge benefit to having a diagnosis or just being aware that your child has movement difficulties is then getting the appropriate support in school. And so often we have these kids that You know, when we do highlight, hey, there is an underlying coordination difficulty, they have the right support at school. Their teachers are aware so they can help them in gym class. Like, okay, we're going to break this down as a whole for everybody to work on. So the kid keeps up and the kid enjoys movement. Um, And this is my favorite part about the coordination kiddos that come into our clinic is that they are the ones above anybody else that love physio. They come in, they're so excited for physio. They're like, Carly, guess what I did today? I learned how to do the monkey bars all by myself. And they're just because they can, they are so happy. So they're the kids that enjoy once they have the support, they love it. So you know, if you're sitting here and you're like, man, like my kid doesn't like to move and they, they always fight me to move and, and all that sort of stuff, like might be a good idea to get, you know, some support in looking, you know, is there something going on with my kid's coordination? Um, And then, you know, maybe that will open up their world to, you know, maybe they do like to sit and read and that's fantastic. But if they're choosing to sit and read because they can't move, then let's at least help them move so they can then choose which one they, they want to. Right. So, Yeah.
1: That's good. If we want to go and consult with our children, I'm just curious, is this uh, covered by our BC or any of the care card depends on provinces or states you work into or you're you're living or uh, is it something that can be covered by our extended uh, medical plan or how does that work?
2: Yeah, so for our like private clinics in British Columbia, we take Extended health. So it's private physiotherapy, but we do bill extended health. So if you do have those extended um, benefits, you can do that. However, beyond the private system, you can be assessed in the public system. And if you're in different parts of the world, you know, if you're in the states or overseas in Europe, you can look to find w- what pediatric therapist can run an MABC. Um, that's pretty much international. It's standardized. So you you can find it in other countries around the world. But um, depending on that, you can research which professionals do carry out that test and have that support that way. But a physiotherapy session is covered under extended health. Um, and you can also pay out of pocket for that.
1: Awesome. Well, Carly, we can find you on our panel with expert at parent So where else can we find you?
2: You can find us in a number of different ways. Often a lot of our families nowadays love the whole social media. So you can find us on Instagram at playworksphysio.com. My personal physio Instagram page is physio Carly uh, with a K. So P-H-Y-S-I-O and then K-A-R-L-Y. And then uh, Facebook as well at Playworks Physio. And again, we are in Port Moody. We service the Tri-Cities. And now with COVID, thankfully, (laughs) one of the perks with it is that we offer virtual physiotherapy all across BC. We have families from all over BC that come and also from other provinces in Canada. And we've even treated a few families overseas. So yeah, we, we have a far reach now with COVID. So so its is it the silver lining of COVID? <laughs> That's what I'm going to tell myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a teeny little silver lining. Oh, well. Okay. So, well, that concludes uh, today's episode. Becca and I would like uh, to thank you, Carly, for taking the time to be here. And you're bringing so much value to all of us parents, helping us grow and learn different things. And, of course, be the best parents we can be
2: yes thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure um to talk with you guys and connect with the two of you but also all of the families that tune in i know you have a a huge audience and it's so amazing to support these families in every way that we can so thank you thank you
1: Thank you, thank you. So, for our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on, the, on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and now on YouTube at Parent Talk TV, so you can see us. <laughs> of course, you can always subscribe directly to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode, and we're inviting you to share it on your social media, especially if you know someone that with that episode resonate with what's happening in their household. So please do help them. As we all know, parenting can be hard. Remember, it's important to laugh, keep learning, share your village and be true to yourself. So thank you for joining us today and have a great week. Bye.
2: The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of parent talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.